When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Janice Dean Podcast. Today's episode features a good friend of mine who I've worked with for almost two decades. Laura Ingle is one of our awesome correspondents and guest anchors here at Fox News. The story of how she got here is really incredible. And we both share a love of classic rock music and began our careers in radio. She has covered some of the biggest crime stories in history, And I am in awe about how she juggles being an incredible reporter, broadcaster, a wife, and a mom. Laura is the definition of doing it all and knowing what's important in life. I know you're going to love this amazing Wonder Woman. So here she is, Laura Ingle on the Janice Dean Podcast. Okay, so we have a lot of similarities in our backgrounds, how we got here to Fox. One of the biggest ones is... We were classic rock DJs at one point. (laughs) And so tell me about how you're wearing your headphones, because this is a big deal, right? If if you have a hairdo and you have hairspray and you've worked really hard to do this hairdo, there's, you know, the headphones are so big and clunky, it's hard to keep the hair in place, but you seem to have this method. Yes, I do one-on-one. And and back when I was a DJ, we called them cans. I mean, I think that was like some... <laughs> cans! Get your cans on. That's right. Um, so you put the headphones on. So I do one on my left over my ear, and then I pull the one on my right behind my ear to wow. preserve the what the I swoop. consider the better side of my hair. Um, but I just actually, and I also worked in news radio, and I just went uh, back to my hometown in Sacramento uh, in 2022 to do an anniversary um, thing with KFBK. And I actually, because I had really done, I thought, a pretty good job on my hair, I actually wore them all the way under my chin and I just held them. <gasps> That's I, right. That's yeah. the way I used to do it, yeah. too. I would go like that. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm actually wearing it like a U under my chin. <laughs> Um, You're a true radio personality because you are so good at the description. And that's what I love about radio. We're very grateful to have this TV career, of course. But radio, I used to have, when I would do television, my mom would call and say, I didn't like that color on you. Did you do something with your hair? You look tired today. Right. Are you (laughs) feeling okay? And, you know, we love our moms and everything, but they kind of have more access to us when we're on TV. If you're on the radio, you can show up looking like you just got out of bed with your slippers on. Yes. And you paint a story with your voice, which I love. Right. Theater of the mind. It was always so important. And I, when I transitioned from rock music to news radio, um, and it was, it was really always about the theater of the mind of telling people, I I would say, you know, close your eyes and talk to me because that's what I need you to do because Mm -hmm. that's what this is. Um, Especially when you're telling stories as um, for news radio uh, is just painting the picture in your mind. You're standing in a field, but what does it sound like when you're walking? 
walking through the mud and the gravel. And you have to paint that picture for your listeners. Um, and we did it during the rock days, too, because we were doing backstage. I was always backstage doing my nightly show uh, as a DJ. We did a lot of our shows backstage at Cal Expo Amphitheater in Sacramento at the nightclubs uh, where we'd go up on stage and we would introduce Aerosmith after doing a backstage interview with Steven Tyler. Uh, but people want to know, what is he wearing? You know, right. And I actually just had this conversation with Jimmy Fallon the other day when I was talking about covering the Michael Jackson trial. And one of our anchors had asked something that I nobody knew the answer to. I said, but what I can tell you is that Michael Jackson smelled really good today. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, he always wore cologne. He wore this really clean smelling cologne. And I sat in back of him in the courtroom every day on a long bench in back of him. And I could I could smell him when he walked by and he always smelled very wow. fresh. Well, that is an interesting little tidbit. Yeah. Did you ever find out what the cologne was? I didn't. Mm. I, I, you couldn't really get close to him once he was in and out. He was uh, with security quite a bit. So, yeah. Yeah. Would you say that was one of your biggest uh, career moments? I would say so. I mean, I, I fell into the Michael Jackson coverage of his trial um, right after Scott Peterson. So I had been doing the Scott Peterson trial uh, for KFI Radio in Los Angeles, and I had traveled up to the Bay Area to Redwood City where the trial was, covered every inch of it. And if you can believe it, it's the 20-year anniversary of Lacey Peterson's disappearance this last Christmas, 2022. And we had done wall-to-wall coverage. And, you know, these are the days of, you know, the OJ trial and Scott Peterson and Michael yeah. Jackson, where everybody was watching every moment. We hadn't really had a moment like that until recently with Amber Heard mm-hmm. and Johnny Depp. But we had done, you know, they had said we did a good job covering that. And they said, we want you to go. Don't even come home. Go right to the Michael Jackson trial. So I got an apartment in Redwood City and I actually lived there through the trial. I basically boarded up my apartment and then went on and got an apartment in Santa Maria. And I lived in Santa Maria covering the trial. So For how long? Oh, gosh. I mean, it was it was all in a year each. Wow. Yeah. I was before husbands, boyfriends, babies. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> all right, yeah, let's do this. Let's go all in. How did you transition from rock goddess to, <laughs> you know, covering these trials? Well, you, it started with, um, interestingly enough, weather. Janice. It was the floods of 1997 in Sacramento. So I was a DJ for for years and years at KRXQ 93 Rock. And then they had, you know, as somebody who works in radio, you know how this works. A new program director comes in. They kind of clean house. You're devastated. Your life is over. Oh, my God. And so I uh, my grandmother used to listen to this big transistor radio on the top of her dryer uh, in her kitchen. And she always listened to KFBK, which was the news radio station of record and still is in Sacramento, my hometown. And I used to listen to this guy named Tom Sullivan, who we know and love and came here to Fox and he's still going strong and is, is huge. Um, And anyway, I wanted to work, I wanted to work in news radio because I figured, well, I I can't get, nothing's going to beat this uh, DJ job that I had. So maybe I'll work in news radio. My, you know, I really liked Tom Sullivan. I liked how relatable he was. I liked the stories he told. And I said, I'll do that. So I, I went over to KFBK and, you know, 
called and called and a- offered to answer the phones, take out the garbage, yes. you know, clean the brass. What, what do I need to do? And I, I got a real low level position of answering phones. And then one day the levees broke in 1997 and Sacramento started going underwater. And all of our best reporters at the time were, you know, they were dispatched at the operation of emergency management. They were, you know, with the Red Cross and there were all these reporters dispatched. I was the last one literally left standing in the newsroom. And one day we got this call and the levees were breaking out in the farmland. Mm. My uncle is, was, he's, God bless him, has passed away, John Lewis, was a cattle farmer mm-hmm. and a rancher. And we got this report that all the livestock were starting to drown. And the cows were literally stuck in the mud. Horses, water coming up, and they could not move. When we're not talking about a few horses, we're talking about 500 head of cattle that cannot be moved, that are mooing and drowning. And, oh. and, and it was a disaster. And I... And, and the news director looked around. I was the last one standing. And I said, I know who to call. I know what to do. And he goes, but yeah, you're a rock DJ. You're just starting here. I said, but let me get this straight. You go somewhere and you tell people what's going on. Do I have that right? He said, yeah. Here's a flip phone. Here's a tape recorder. Go off and do it. Wow. Uncle John picked me up. We got on a tractor. We we went out into the middle of the field with the tires moving. I couldn't figure out the tape deck, and I didn't need to because the cows were in distress. So I had the flip phone on, and I started doing live reports, and I was talking to the rancher, and I was holding the phone up to him, and I was just holding my phone up, and, you know, the cows were the gnat sound, and... That was it. I came back covered in mud, head to toe. And he said, all right, well, I guess you got it. I guess this is it. Holy moly. That so is that's a how great story. <laughs> I mean, it's there's so many things. You know, I do tell people, young people trying to get into the broadcast world, that you shouldn't have like this myopic view of what your job is going to be. You really need to just make yourself available right to do anything right right i did the same kind of thing i called the the rock station in town and said can i just hang out with your news guy mm-hmm. uh in the newsroom and you know take the the paper that was coming off of the printer and give it to him rip and read and do whatever they needed to do i didn't ask for money they didn't know who and they said yes and i came in and i did that and even That's though right. i was in the corner and people were like who is this person what is she doing here you know one thing led to another and i i went in to you know give a a weather report to the dj at the time in the afternoons bob cowan god bless him he's I still talk to him 30 years later. <laughs> he just retired from his amazing career. And he said, you know, do you want to do the, a traffic report? Yeah. And that's how it started. That's right. You know? Being available, that is a very important, and, and really, and just, you know, and being confident in yourself that, okay, you know, you have to be ready to be prepared for whatever is thrown at you. And that's that's how it happened for me back at the, rewinding that tape to the DJ days. I started off reading out PSAs and I was only there because I had called every day for mm. a year to get a job. And all I wanted to do was hang out at the rock station and be with my rock radio heroes yes. who were interviewing the rock stars. I'm like, this is the coolest job. Can I somehow get in here? And I was hired as a telemarketer. And you had to call and sit and and call people and ask them what your favorite bands are, what songs do you like? And we Mm. did that. And then one day, um, the the night DJ broke his leg and he couldn't get up to get the carts on the wall. The carts on the wall. Where we used to play commercials from, these big... They look like eight tracks. Right, they do. (laughs) Wow. And so I would pull his carts for him. And then they said, do you want to read a public service announcement at 3.30 in the morning? And I was like, 
okay, you know, let me you know, get this together and practice it in the hallway and okay, I'll do it. And and that was my first time on the air. Oh my goodness. Now, what were you, did you always know you wanted to do that or what were you doing in school that kind of led you down this path? Well, I, you know, I went to the School of Life. I actually worked for Bill Graham, who was a music promoter. Before there was Live Nation, there was Bill Graham Presents. So I had always worked around music. I had done uh, concert security. I still know how to frisk people, so we'll, we'll get to that moly. later. Holy okay. Um, so I, I worked in uh, concert security. I worked at Skip's Music. I worked at Tower Records, which was born in Sacramento. Yeah. And so I always knew I wanted to be around music. And so I, I started down the path of that, of knowing that I wanted to be around this. And I, I didn't quite have it figured out. Okay. Uh, took some classes over at our local college. And it was interesting because when I was taking the broadcasting classes in college, I and then I was interning over at these radio stations. I mean, I did a lot of, you know, free work, as you and I know, right? You yes. do it. You don't get paid right away. And as I was in those newsrooms and broadcast booths, I was like, hmm, what they're teaching in the classroom is not what I am seeing here. Correct. And I, I really, and you know, money was tight and there's a whole other story there, but I just thought, I, I think I'm going to shift my focus and just start working for free and working other jobs to get into this building and stay there and be there in case somebody breaks their leg or calls mm -hmm. out sick. And, th and that's really how that happened. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I, I went into journalism in university in Canada and I'm not advocating that you drop out of school, but I dropped out of school because I I was so frustrated because the yes. stuff I really wanted to do on the camera, do the the stories, file a report, that didn't happen until like fourth or fifth year. Yeah. And that was frustrating to me. And then I went to radio television broadcasting school where you were taught by people who were in the industry. Okay. And that's how you kind of got your way in. So, you know, this was many decades ago. <laughs> um, but I always think that that is such a beneficial way of schooling is is to have people that are in the industry to show you what's happening in the real world as opposed to, you know, going and taking classes with stuff you're not exactly going to use when you get out of school. That's right. And outdated methods. Yeah. I mean, you and I have seen in this building where we sit now how much things have changed in just the last few years. And especially here in this beautiful uh, radio room that we're in and this floor and and how we're doing SiriusXM and, and all the podcasting and how we're multi-platforming and things change rapidly. So yeah. I, I do, like if I have a son. And so I will encourage him to go to college, but also to put his paw in these other areas, you know, find a way to get in yeah. um, and do both if you can. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. So you have to tell me your big rock story, though. You have a big Ooh, rock story. My big rock story. I mean, let's see. I've... Uh... I've interviewed uh, Steven Tyler. I have interviewed Brian May. Um, and I think that all the, the one of my really fun ones it actually came when I worked at Fox. And I still do. And that's why I do my bonus track feature here on Fox Radio and Sirius XM is because I want to keep my my rock and roll chops up, so to speak. So I do this rock and roll feature that runs every week. And I was on a plane 
uh, going from New York to L.A. when I was working for Geraldo, when we did the Geraldo at Large show. And I walked on the plane and I was about to be seated next to, next to this guy with really big blonde hair. I was like, OK. <laughs> and I and I the closer I got, I said, oh, my God. That's Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. And so I did what we all should do. Play it cool. Be cool. Don't freak out. He's a person. Just sit down. And I sat down next to Dee and we started talking and we discussed what we were, you know, it was a cross-country flight. So I decided I was going to get the fish. Don't do it. It's it's just not a good idea. He got chicken and then I was like, I can't eat this. And it smelled. And I was like, what? I don't know why I just did that. And and he said, you know, let me see if I can get you something else. And so we started talking and and then he said, I'm D. My name is D. I said, I know. <laughs> and we became friends and we're still friendly to, to this day. And I've had him here in this very room doing radio interviews. And and that's always a good story. Um, and, and doing my very first rock radio interview I ever did was with a band called White Zombie. Then nobody knew who they were. They were just about to come out with an album. My program director called me on the hotline, the, the phone that rings red when you're in a radio booth. And she said, there's this band coming through. They're playing tonight at the Crest Theater. I want you to interview them. And I said, Judy, I haven't done an interview yet. And she said, it's fine. Just talk to them. And I said, well, who are they? White Zombie. Fine. Rob Zombie. If you know rock and roll and you know White Zombie, they're a big band and they have big hair and big dreads. And they came in and they were the nicest people. Aww. And and that was a, a very important lesson because, you know, we like to prep for our interviews. We like to be as ready as possible. But it just ended up being a very organic conversation for that very first interview I had. And it was, it was one of my highlights uh, of how nice they were. And, and it was a very important lesson to learn moving forward where you should prepare you should always know what you want to talk about. But sometimes being off the cuff, it can be kind of the best organic. I and agree. Most what are some of the memorable stars that you talk to, good and bad? Good and bad. Well, <clears throat> I had a really tough experience once with Vince Neal, the lead singer of Motley Crue. Yeah. We were backstage at Cal Expo, uh, a big outdoor amphitheater in Sacramento that no longer exists, but the state fairgrounds are there. And uh, he was doing his solo tour. So this is after, you know, they, you know, he leaves the band and he's Vince Neal of Motley Crue. And so I, you know, want to talk to him about his new album. And I don't remember the name of it, but it was it was black and white and his hair is, you know, in the wind on the cover. And sure, I'm going to talk to him about the new album, but I'm going to talk to him about Motley Crue. Right. So I start talking about Motley Crue and he he said, I don't even remember exactly what he said, but he said, like, I'm not talking to you about this. I'm not doing this with you. And it was it was really crass. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I whatever and we i had to switch the subject in fact judy uh the program director who gave me white zombie that day she pulled him off the air she called the remote area that we had backstage she said pull pull this off the air good so, for her yeah she goes i don't like what's going on i don't wow. like the way he's talking to her so he pulls she pulls the interview tells me to go to commercial break i go up and i entered i say you know we're going to get do some ticket giveaways go up on stage I pass him. He goes up on stage. What does he do? He opens up with Girls, Girls, Girls. He opens up with a Motley Crue song. Oh, my god! And I was standing backstage going, you have got to be kidding me. Fast forward a decade later, and Vince Neil is here at Fox News yeah. with Motley Crue. Uh -huh. um, they were about to do, I think, an interview with Greta uh, at the time. And so I was backstage. And I was like, I'm going to say something. 
I'm going to say something. Good for you. I'm going to do this. And so I went up to him and he was sitting there having a coffee. And I said, hi, Vince. I'm, I'm Laura. I actually used to work in radio. At, um, and I interviewed you back at 93 Rock in Sacramento. He's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, do you, I said, do you, do you not remember? And of course he didn't. And I told him. And he, to his credit, this is, you know, coming around the bend here. But to his credit, he said, I'm really sorry. I don't remember that. He goes, I think that that was a really difficult time for me. Oh. Um, he's like, I'm sorry I did that to you. I said, all right, fine. That is a gr- that's a great story. I mean, there's not many times where you're going to have that opportunity. Yeah, but to- I, I and I didn't want to say you hurt my feelings, but I was like, you you know, he. It just was a, a very awkward. You have probably had them too. Yeah, the awkward interview yes. where you're just trying to get past it. And you're just like, all right, how do I turn this around? And then sometimes it just can't. You just can't turn it around. <laughs> but good for your program director too. Um, yeah, Judy yeah. McNutt. Thank you. <laughs> so I mean, do you miss it? Oh, I do. I do. I I often wonder if there is a way somehow to do more of that even here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do miss it. It was a lot of fun, and it was uh, interesting. And and we you kind of carry that skill into news because really the the art of the interview is getting to know somebody. What do they do on their off time? Um, and. I did have an opportunity to do something like that when, for instance, I was in the lobby here at Fox News and I caught the profile of Lyle Lovett walking by. He was going to do a Fox business show. And I went up to his publicist and I said, can we do some radio? And thankfully, somebody here in the radio booth was able to let me get on and we just pre-recorded something. I said, I'll find a way to make this live somewhere here Mm -hmm. at Fox. And we did. Um, But I do miss it. And I do love that chance to sit down with rock stars because you know we all love them watch them feel like they're a part of our fabric they're a part of our soundtrack and and just getting to know them and what makes them tick and really the fun part is learning what they do when they're not on stage of course what kind of music do you like to listen to um, I listen to a lot of rock and I listen to, you know, a lot of classic rock, a lot of uh, Metallica was my go to for many, many years. I have always been a Metallica fan. James Hetfield is my number one interview that I would love to do. You I've haven't done ne- that? I've never got him. I have always, I've, I mean, I, I had a picture of him in my locker in high school. <laughs> So I and then I was always, you know, a Metallica girl. So I went to every Metallica show in California that I could ever go to. I went to S&M, the San Francisco Symphony uh, with Metallica. I went to Day on the Green. Um, I followed them everywhere. Being from Sacramento, they're from San Francisco. Um, But I do, uh, you know, and then we uh, I live out on Long Island and sometimes in the backyard cranking Metallica during a barbecue doesn't always work for everyone. So we downshift <laughs> a little bit and play a little bit more of the, uh, you know, the yacht rock stuff. <laughs> oh, yacht rock stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to try to get, I, you know, and I've never really had a huge countryside to me, but I was at a party this weekend, a little neighborhood party, and uh, they were playing Luke Combs. And I got into that. Mm-hmm. I could appreciate that. I find, and I've worked in different genres of music classic rock being the first one and then I did do country and smooth jazz mm. um so I I think I'm pretty well rounded in in the different types of music that I that I've played um but the country music artists for me seem to be the kindest yeah uh most down to earth really humble people yes maybe because of where they come from or I'm not sure yeah gratitude is big on their list mm-hmm. they sing about it a lot um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's country artists that are not nice, but most of them that I've interviewed have been very nice. And it is, it is sort of 
when you sit down and you're talking to somebody that you've listened to for your whole life, uh, it can be a little bit daunting, but they're just like you and I. That's right. And they want to be treated like you and I. They don't want a lot of them. Sure, there's a lot of people that like that star treatment, but like Dee Snyder on the plane, yeah. he just wanted to be, he just wanted to sit there. He didn't want, you know, somebody to fawn over him. And he's he's joked with me before about, oh, I saw you coming. I was like, this is going to be one of these people. <laughs> it's going to be like, oh my God, I know who you are. The selfie. And I, I didn't take a selfie. I didn't ask for a picture. Ah. I was very, I was like, just be cool because it will pay off. And it did. Like, I just, I knew you, you have to know your place. You know, you have to know when the timing is right. And walking up to a star when they're eating at a restaurant is not the time to, you know, usually they don't like to be bothered. Um, I lived in LA for four years, so I learned that the hard way. Um, but yeah, you just, uh, they just want to be relatable and, and be just like you. And they want to hear about what you're doing too, yeah. which I love that what they ask, you know, do you have children and where do you live and where'd you come from? How'd you hmm. grow up? Yeah. Um, what are your favorite things to do? And they, they just want to be engaged mm-hmm. as well. We'll be back with more sunshine right after this. Okay, so transitioning into how you got here to Fox. Mm. How'd that happen? Well... That's an interesting story, too. So I worked at KFI Radio, as I mentioned, in Los Angeles, and I was working this really difficult trial in San Diego, the David Westerfield trial. And it was it was before and it's kind of the build up to the Scott Peterson and Michael Jackson era. But we were doing this terrible story about this man who um, had kidnapped his neighbor and done some bad things. And I was traveling down to San Diego from Los Angeles my car was always breaking down. And so I had to borrow a car from the station and they didn't have a news car for me to take. So I had to borrow a car from our sister station, which was a sports station. And the car was a VW that was one of the new ones that was decorated like a baseball. So I was in a baseball car outside of the courthouse in San Diego doing my reports that had all the equipment in it because it has, you know, the headphones and the mixing board and everything that you could plug in. So I was in this baseball and I keep forgetting that I'm in a baseball <laughs> doing, <laughs> talking about really bad things. And so I'm in the car and I, somebody came up and knocked on my window and it was a producer from Fox News. And they said, we've been listening to you covering the trial as we're going back and forth from LA to San Diego. We'd like you to come on as a guest. And I said, well, how did you find me? And they said, because we said, where's the where's Laura Ingle from KFI? And they're like, she's the one in the baseball. <laughs> so they found me in this baseball. So I get out of the baseball and I go and I sit in a chair and um, Anita Vogel uh, was reporting there for Fox News for this trial. And I turned to her and I was like, oh, what? she goes, this is an IFB. Put it in your ear. You're going to talk to a guy and he's just look through the camera. And I am a radio reporter, as we described. No makeup, ponytail. What am I wearing? Um, so I, they asked me, I said, okay, what do I do? And I ran over to a satellite truck operator who I was parked near. I said, what do I do? He goes, go get a blazer. So I ran across the street and I bought a blazer at Ann Taylor. He said, I've got a makeup person here. Let's do something with this. Wow. And let's put some makeup on you. And so I, I had the blazer. I go, okay, I sit in the chair. I do the thing. I do the report. I talk about being in the courtroom and being in the neighborhood. And I Were did you nervous? Look. I was so nervous. Oh, I was so nervous. I think I wrote everything on a post-it note. I had like, I had nothing prepared. And I, I put some notes on a post-it note and I put it on my lap and I tried to like tape it down on my jeans. And I did the, I did the report. 
took out the IFB, walked off camera, and went, oh, ah. oh, so glad. Okay, I did it. I did it. I did a TV report. And they're like, same time tomorrow? <laughs> and I said, I said, no, 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 no. I only have the blazer. This is the only blazer I have and the only one I could afford. <laughs> so if I put a different shirt on, wore the same blazer, did it again, uh, did some repeat appearances on Fox and eventually did the same thing at the Scott Peterson trial where I was invited back as a guest. Yeah. And then by the time we got to Michael Jackson, I was on every day at three o'clock and seven o'clock and on the weekends because I was living there. Right. So I was this available reporter yeah. uh, and they would book me all the time. And then one day I got the call and they said, do you want to do this? And I said, I actually do. I love it. I love being a part of Fox. I love being, you know, it was a new medium for me, but taking those, those radio skills and just moving it over. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, I think was some of the reason why they, they wanted me initially and, and why they kept me around. Um, but then I got hired and they said, so the job is in Dallas. I said, oh, well, no, I, I live in L.A. Uh, they said, right, and the job is in Dallas. And I said, okay, well, what does that mean? They said, well, you're going to be in charge of the Southwest region. So you're going to be Texas, Louisiana, Alabama. All of that is your region. I okay. said, okay. So I, we get the, I get the job. I get, oh, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pack up L.A. and I'm going to go to Dallas, I guess. And so I go to Dallas to be the correspondent for the Southwest region for Fox News and my first day of work is August 29th, 2005, the day Hurricane Katrina hit. Oh, wow. So I was still, I'll make it quick, but I was still in L.A. like learning the system. And I had pitched because I knew the California National Guard from my reporting there. I called them and I said, what are you doing? They said, well, we're going to go on a KC-135. You can have a jump seat, which means you're going to stand on a strap Holy up against the wall. Moly. And so I went in as an embedded reporter to New Orleans for the first 33 days of my job at Fox News Channel as an embedded reporter where they went, we went. I was sleeping under uh, plane wings in aircraft hangars, uh, in cots in the middle. Like I was with a whole bunch of men that snored and, and my team and we were at the at the airport and I slept on uh, carousel number four in baggage claim. If you're ever there, imagine the entire Fox News team <laughs> is sleeping. Laura was here. Yeah, sleeping on the baggage car and that's and that's where the job started. Oh I, I never, my goodness. I never could have dreamed that my first few weeks on the job would be without a shower, would be in a baseball hat and the whatever makeup I could find and put in the bag. And, yeah. and that's how it started. And that was one of the biggest stories, of, <laughs> yeah. you know, of my life, too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's that's how it began. And then I got a phone call and we were there. I was doing a, I was at that point I was on a tank. Um, Thirty three days later, we were going into the um we were going into a really badly hit area. They were doing look and leaves where the National Guard would go into a house and look to make sure that everybody was gone, do the red X. Yeah. And so on the house with the spray paint. And I was doing that. And on that day, I got a phone call and they said, management wants to talk to you. And I was like, oh, God, I blew it. I mean, they're just, they're just going to pull the plug. This is it. It's over. And what they wanted to talk to me about was going on the broadcast side of things for a new show for Geraldo at large. Wow. And to be and they said, we like what you're doing. We see you out there. They're kicking down doors and doing all the stuff with with Geraldo's team, or I'm sorry, with the Dallas team. Um, we want you to do the same thing with Geraldo. And so off I, I said, but my stuff, I, it's, it's coming. Uh, my stuff is in transit right now to Dallas. I said, don't worry about it. So all my stuff went to a Dallas apartment that I chose. I never unpacked because I was on the road for 14 months. 
And I ended up buying a lawn chair in Dallas because I was like, I don't have time to buy furniture. And I'd only go home periodically, only to do lawn, the laundry that I had emailed, that I had FedExed myself. <laughs> so I went back to Dallas and I laid in this lawn chair and I put a TV on my boxes. And that's how I lived my first year on the job. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then uh, and then the, the show ended and... They said, would you like to come here to New York or go back to L.A.? And I really I, I wanted to go back to L.A. actually. But I was like, if I don't do New York now, I'm not going to do it. So I chose New York and met my husband. My husband was on the job um, working in a production company for her during the Geraldo days. And that's how you met. That's how we met through Geraldo. I always tell Geraldo, I'm like, because of you. Because of you. I but have all a- of these things had to happen. Do you ever I mean, I look back to and. When you look back on your life and if one thing didn't happen and you didn't take that phone call or you weren't there at that time, you would have never met your husband. That's how I think of it. Absolutely. You know, in the old days, it was like it was career, career, career. Now I think, well, all of this happened so that I can meet Sean. That's right. That's exactly right. I think about that all the time and and his path too and Sean's path or what, you know, like we were in the right place at the right time and um he was a touring musician, still is a musician and, and does a lot of gigs. But he there was a period of time that he was on the road constantly. And then that stopped. And then he took this job with a production company because he's an excellent audio technician um, and works in production. And it, it was just like if that tour hadn't ended and he didn't end up there, it, we wouldn't have ended up in a at a shoot here in New York City in a nutritionist office, of all things, talking about diet trends. And I said, who's that? <laughs> That guy, he's pretty cute. I can tell he was a rock. I knew he was a rock and roller. And uh, they said, you know, you should really talk to Laura because she's a rock and roller. That girl, she's a rock and roller. Yeah, yeah. So that's how that started. Ah. Uh, yeah. And then you had your beautiful boy. We do. We have our beautiful son, Jackson, and he is a, just an absolute godsend and a miracle child. And yeah, so we got really lucky and, and we have a son and it's the greatest gift and the greatest thing that I have ever done. The greatest yep. production we've ever made. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you were like me, but I never thought about kids at all, really, until later on in my life. Right. And I'm so glad, again, that things happened and circumstances gave me the opportunity because, you know, I was just ru- rushing, rushing everywhere. Career, career, career. Met Sean. That was great. We both had, you know, demanding jobs at the time. And I'm just so glad that the boys came into my life because without them, I I just don't think I would have been a whole person. Right. And don't you, and and you, I also think about if I had become a mother sooner, I would be a different person. Mm. And I'm a better person having a child later in life. I I think I'm a better mom. Yes. And just just for the record, I would like to say that Janice Dean gave my son our first stroller because we didn't know what we were doing. And we were in the city. Nobody does. I I was like, nobody knows. But thank you very much. It was blue. It was gorgeous. You shared that with us. You shared other items and you just you you were so nice and we didn't know each other that well. I think you probably saw the wilding in my eyes like, I don't know what I'm doing in the hallway. Uh, but thank you for that, because uh, we still have those pictures and, and have that fond memory. And tell me about <laughs> life as a mom. Life as a mom is amazing. I, I wish I had more mom time. I will say mm-hmm. that as any working mom will tell you it is hard. Uh, that's the hardest part. But um, I he is the absolute 
joy of our lives. He just became a black belt at age nine. Wow. He plays piano. He loves baseball. He he loves nothing more than than playing baseball and, and does he just had his winter workout on the weekends and he's gonna be on a travel team. Um but just being around and, and that's what makes one of the things about being a mom as you know is is seeing the world again through their eyes and seeing that experience i never went to disney um and thank you for that she gave me the recommendation of, of how to do disney because i didn't know how to do it because i never went as a kid <laughs> so janice told me how to do it and uh and, but but going to disney and seeing disney through his eyes and watching that magic and that's what it is and people my, my poor phone is so filled with phone with pictures and everyone says you know don't don't blink. They're going to grow. I'm like, okay, I'm trying not to blink. I'm trying to enjoy every second. Yeah. And, and I do. And so you really have to, uh, I, I try to work to be as present as I can uh, when I'm home and to make those memories, memories and, and experiences are better than gifts and um, to see the world and to expose him to as much. And we go back to my hometown of Sacramento to the ranch and he has this whole different New York life. And then when we go to California, he has the experience of being with his cousins and riding horses and, and experiencing that and seeing what that hard work is like mm -hmm. that helps put a, you know food on the table and the, and the people that do that difficult work. Um, but it's great. And I have to say that you are definitely an overachiever when it comes to uh, lunchbox jokes. <laughs> Because I started Lunchbox Jokes many years ago, um, and it was just a way for me to connect with my boys because I work early morning, so I don't get to see them wake up in the mornings except on the weekend, which I'm really grateful for. But my husband, Sean, is the one that makes the lunches and sees them off to school. And it was a girlfriend of mine, actually, that that said to me, well, I put jokes in their lunch uh, on a, a post-it. I thought, oh, what a great idea because it lets them know that you're thinking of them during their yes. day. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> and you told me one day, I'm doing it too. I'm like, yay. And then I saw this, like you draw and then you color in and it's like an art project every Monday through Friday that you do. <laughs> and so I am very envious of your talent in oh, your lunchbox well, jokes. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I I really and I got I saw that you did it, uh, and I saw others do it. On I was like, you know what? I this is this is a great way. It is you know you inspired me again. But this is a great way to connect with your child, and it it, it can be on a post-it note or just even my uh, my neighbor Noreen I think writes on a napkin and just writes a yeah. something on a napkin. Napkin notes. Just just to just to connect with them because I do I do miss the seeing him off to school. I don't get to do that either. And so, um, you know, there are some days I, I can do it, but, um, and I always do. Uh, but it's just, you know, I, I, I think about the day that he's going to say, please don't put those in my Oh, I already, bag. Matthew. Did that happen? Matthew. Stop it. Yeah, I'm still doing it for Theodore, but Matthew oh, said, no, what? mom, like he's going to be in high school. <laughs> so, you well, know, the Okay, so what age just, does this, what, what is it, when does uh, it stop? Well, Theodore is going into seventh grade next year and he still likes them. He actually says that they're really hokey jokes. Um, and he tells it to his but they buddies. Share, yeah, at they the do. Lunch table. Yeah, so I'm grateful. But I will tell you, I was upset the day that Matthew said, "Mom, I'm sorry." I was. I was really upset. But listen, it happens, and it and they they tell you it goes by in a blink of an eye, and it really does. Um, 
But I know that they'll always remember that. I know that Matthew will be a dad one day and he'll be like, I remember when mom used to put those hokey jokes in my lunch. Right, right. It's important. It is important. And little things that you can do. And I think that that's, I I was just talking to my husband about it this morning um, over coffee quickly, just to say, you know, we just have to utilize all those windows of time that we can um, and make things work for us, you know, like when just the time for Jackson and, and the time to spend with him as, mu- as much as possible. And um, we all have different schedules. Everybody listening right now probably has a similar story of just trying to make it work. Mm. And that's all we can really do is, is make it work and, and embrace it and uh, take the journey. And I'm, I'm so thankful to be on this journey. I'm so thankful uh, to have the opportunity to be a mom which is the number one priority, and then to to do my best work here um, and tell the stories that we do um, and, and just be a part of the ride. How do you separate yourself from the, the terrible news that you cover sometimes? You know what I mean? That's hard. You know, I was just talking to um, I was just talking to Lawrence about this this morning uh, in the green room and the Idaho college murders uh, is just absolutely awful. Now I haven't been to Idaho, but I did go to Pennsylvania for the arrest, which was sudden. um, And we didn't, who would have thought, you know, we've been looking, everybody thought that we were maybe going to find that white Elantra uh, on maybe the West coast, but it happened here on the East coast. Um, And not, not, it was the Connecticut home invasion story that I covered with Dr. Pettit, which was a horrible story of these two guys that broke into a home and tied up Dr. Pettit yes. and um, and killed his wife and uh, their two daughters. And that was the story. And I, I was able to get through Lacey Peterson. I was able to get through Danielle Van Dam, the victim in the David Westerfield trial. I got through you compartmentalize like a like a policeman or a firefighter you just you just have to compartmentalize but the Connecticut home invasion case and the Idaho case have been really difficult for me because when I turn off the light at night and I try to go to sleep and get the I hope I get five hours um time I keep thinking about it and it's really hard and I just try to stop thinking about it and my mantra to myself at night is all your problems will be there in the morning. Just yeah. don't worry about it. You don't need to think about it now. Uh, but those stories stay with me. And, you know, it, it, it's hard. And I don't know what the answer is. And I don't know how to compartmentalize this story at this time for me right now. I just try and, you know, I pray for the families I do and um, and try to learn lessons. And I don't know. It's it's a really it's a really difficult thing. And it's not just me. Um there's other reporters I've talked to who who suffer the same thing where you just can't turn it off mm. and and you really try to think about it. And it's really interesting when you cover something that you think uh, we're all in the news business. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're invested and you're involved, too. But like there are people that didn't. I've talked to people in the last week that said, oh, yeah, something happened in Idaho. Right. And they, I was like, you don't know, right. you don't know every single detail that I know that we all that we've been all talking about. But it's true. People, there are some people who just don't want to hear it. Yes. And I get that mm-hmm. because you, it, it's hard to to remove yourself from that and the facts and the gore. Um, but true crime, as we know, is is something that a lot of people are interested in. Mm-hmm. We all want to help solve it. We yeah. all want to find out how not to have it happen to anybody that we know and love. Right. Um, so it's a, it can be a difficult challenge and that is cer- certainly a, a challenge of this job. Mm. What do you want to do next? Uh, what do I want to do next? I 
want to continue what I'm doing. I would love to, I, I would like to take a page from your book and write a book. Um, I've always thought that I had a book in me. So that's something that is on my radar of something that I'd like to do. I would love to do more radio podcasting. I love it when I have an opportunity to anchor here. Um, but I think continuing to be a storyteller one way or the other yes. is is something that I just really enjoy doing. And it will, and it, it started off uh, taking the form it did all those years ago back at 93 Rock and telling the story backstage, um, interviewing rock stars and talking about what I was seeing to where I am today. And I, I think that that will continue to be an evolution in my life one way or the other. And, and I hope that it can continue. What do you tell young people that want to get into this job? What's the number one piece of advice? Be willing to do, you know, the hard work. Yeah. Don't don't expect to breeze in and get hair and makeup and be in, you know, you have to do the work. And and that's what makes you interesting, too. That's what gives you the life skills and um, the resonance that you can have to tell the stories. Like, do the work. Remember what it's like to put, you know, when people come in, I just gave a tour here at Fox. And, like, when you see how things go from start to finish, it's not easy breezy. It's not, you know, we put out a very polished product, um, but it, it takes a lot of hard work. All of the producers and the light, people say, who are your favorite people here at work? I said, the lighting techs and, you know, hair and makeup, because, you know, they they are a very important part of our life. But I think that, you know, I tell people to, to consider interning and and try and offering to stay late and work the weekend and the holiday and learn and ask people for help and you'll be surprised not everybody's going to be cool but ask people for help ask people for direction ask people to tell them their story so that you can learn from that because mm -hmm. there might be something that you didn't think of so i just tell people to you know put your back into it because you you really have to do the time and keep a notebook and learn from it. What's your perfect day? Oh, my perfect day. <laughs> my perfect day would be sleeping in. Um, I think we all want more sleep. Uh, but my perfect day is is spending time with my family. Uh, spending time with, you know, we have a divided, we have a family here on the east and I, I have a, my family on the west. So that's always difficult. If I could have a perfect day, it would be that every family member would be together and we could spend a whole day together outdoors where it's, 77 degrees and there are no bugs and there's good food and sunshine and music and laughter and just being together. That's a perfect day. Yeah, that's my perfect day. Thank you, Laura Engel, for coming in and doing the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, us radio ladies, you know, we, we got to stick together. We do stick together. <laughs> and I'm glad. Listen, I'm really grateful that this medium has sort of, you know, lasted the test of time after everyone saying radio's dead. Oh, stop it now. Go it's on. not. I know it. No, it is absolutely not. And um, again, I'm uh, thankful for the opportunity of being able to still do radio here while I'm doing television. Um, and I do post a lot of my stuff. I, I had to switch my Instagram handle to at Laura Ingle, I-N-G-L-E TV. <laughs> Uh, because I do often get mistaken for it, Laura Ingram. Uh, so if if you want to listen to the bonus tracks and see the behind the I, I do record a lot of behind the scenes. And I like to share that with people. And I like to uh, hopefully inspire people who want to get into the business to see what it looks like. Because I always like seeing behind the scenes. That's so great. Instagram, at Laura Ingle TV, and Twitter, too. 
to be continued, my yes. fellow rock goddess. Yes, yes. Let's do a radio show. That's what we should do, Janice. We should we should somehow get some rock stars in here and let's, that'd be awesome. Let's do that, and we'll record it. We'll do it for Fox Extra. We'll do it for radio, and I'm in. Let's do it. Okay, Janice. Thanks for having me. Taking it on the road. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining me today. Isn't her story incredible? It's so fun to look back and see the path we all go on to get where we are today. I just adore her, and we will have her back again on the Janice Dean Podcast. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram, or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.